You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Hello, and thank you to everyone who is joining us on our podcast today. We're joined by Mercy One registered dietitian, Haley Strait. Thanks for joining us today, Haley. Hi, thank you for having me. So Haley, we talk a lot about wellness here at Mercy One. Of course, it's the core of what we do, but there's so many aspects to living your best life, whether that's emotional, whether that's spiritual or physical. So today we're going to focus on that spiritual aspect and specifically for young adults and teens looking to achieve their nutrition and health goals. Now, I think that's a very broad topic, can feel very daunting to a lot of people. And I also think there can be a lot of really harmful messages out there for kids, how they should look or the quote unquote ideal weight. I actually remember a lot of guys in my high school skipping meals so they could make make weight in wrestling. I'd see it with the women and girls in my class too. You know, they'd skip meals, they'd work out, they'd train super hard. What kind of impact do you think that has on your body? Yeah, so the topic of ideal body weight during adolescence is tough. You know, whether you live a sedentary lifestyle or you're into leisure activities or even compete in sports. So in... Ideal body weight is going to be different for everyone, and I think um, that's difficult for adolescents to really understand because they're influenced by so much around them. Um, it might include you know, social media, their peers, and other cultural norms. Um, so when it comes down to the individual, or if one is training for a specific event, it's really important to look at the person's overall health versus just their weight. So wrestlers, I know they are a bit um, a bit stricter about tracking their weight compared to other sports. I've heard some really crazy things wrestlers have done just to make weight. Um, but research has shown over and over again that you know quick weight loss that occurs from drastically decreasing your caloric intake or you know using laxatives is not sustainable and it can have harmful effects on the body. So. That initial weight loss, um, most of the time, is usually not fat, like we all want it to be, but normally it's muscle and water, and this may hinders an ath- this may hinder an athlete's performance. So not getting in enough nutrition may also cause disruptions in their energy levels, their mood, electrolytes, sleeping patterns, um, regulating their body temperature. Um, So it may also lead to just developing an unhealthy relationship with food. So if you're starving yourself, you know, and skipping meals, you might start to obsess over food and, you know, feel out of control, which can create bad habits that can stick with you for the rest of your life if you aren't aware of them. You know, one question I want to ask you when you talk about weight loss there, BMI, how accurate is it? I think a lot of people see that number and I think that can really cause you to spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, BMI is a pretty controversial topic within the field of dietetics. Um, within like the clinical um, world, BMI can be used um, just every once in a while. It can be helpful just for certain recommendations that we use, but when looking at health, I personally don't like to just look at BMI because, you know, a person can be overweight, but they can be perfectly healthy. Their labs can be great. And, you know, it's just a number. (laughs) 
Yeah. So I guess let's talk a little bit about how you can fuel your bodies because we talked about a lot of the harmful things that people can do, um, especially if you know, you're know you in activities, you're in sports this summer, or even during the school year. What are some foods that young adults and teens and, and maybe I guess young kids too can be eating? Yeah, so it is important for young adults, teens, and children to get proper nutrition for growth and development. So again, whether they're active or not, it's always important to stay hydrated, consume a balanced diet full of, you know, a variety of foods. I like to think the more colorful your diet is, like fruits and vegetables wise, not like Skittles wise, the more (laughs) nutrients you're going to get that your body needs to grow and develop properly. Um, I guess the number one most common nutrient deficiency for children is iron. And uh, we can get iron through sources like fortified cereals, instant oatmeals, baked beans, like canned beans like chickpeas or, you know, kidney beans. You could also get it through um, white rice, beef, spinach, soy milk, nuts. Um, Iron is going to be especially important for adolescent girls as well because they might lose some of that iron during menstruation. Well, I guess we all have extremely busy schedules. I know there's been times where I just don't have the time to travel anywhere to get a a meal or eat right. And and finding that time can just be so difficult. So we hear a lot about meal prepping. I guess let's start simple. Is it good? Is it bad? What does that look like? Yeah, I think, you know, meal prepping can be a game changer for your health if it's done properly. And it can also help you save money. I personally do it myself. Um, I can definitely make your week easier, especially when you are busy and you don't have time. Unexpected things come up during the week. It can also prevent you from buying fast food or convenience store choices, which are not always as healthy because a lot of it is fried and just cooked with a lot of saturated fats and high in sodium, etc. The cost of that, you know, it can add up pretty quickly. So eating out is definitely not cheaper than home prepping your meals. And I feel like that's a huge misconception for a lot of people. The dollar menu usually doesn't come out to be a dollar and you might spend about five to $10 on a meal every day. So learning to cook basic basic foods can save your life and help your wallet. I know I had an experience during my dietetic schooling where one of my professors made it a challenge for us to only spend a dollar and forty cents per meal that we ate for like about a week or something. It was like a trial for a week, which was basically equivalent to what one person on SNAP benefits would get. Um, it was so tough, but <laughs> if you know how to cook and shop for deals and use leftovers wisely, it can be done. Um, It just kind of made me realize how much money you could save just meal prepping yourself. I think that can feel really overwhelming when you're thinking about all the things that you can do. I've watched those videos, I've gotten sucked into those videos of people meal prepping. It looks really amazing. But then I sit there and I think there's no way I can do that. I don't know what to shop for. I don't know how to cook like, like that. So I guess, where do you start? What's your advice, whether you know it's a parent listening, shopping for their kids, or even myself that's looking to start that meal prepping? Yeah, um, meal prepping can seem overwhelming. However, you know there's many different ways to do it and it's important to find what works best for you. So first, you know, find out what ingredients you already have on hand and use up what's gonna go bad first. It'll prevent you from wasting food. Um, So when you look in your fridge before going to the grocery store, think of some ideas that you could use with the ingredients you already have on hand to create a meal. Second, find out how much time you have. 
Um, so I kind of like to break up meal prepping into two different styles. Um, you could do like a full meal prep versus a buffet style meal prep. Um, so the full meal prep would be like preparing an entire meal mm -hmm. and storing those leftovers in proper portion sizes and in individual containers to have throughout the week. This is probably the most strategic and time consuming because you might end up spending or you might end up, you know, making two to three meals throughout the week and could spend the whole day in the kitchen, like on mm -hmm. Sunday, prepping those meals to have. Um, and some people do prefer this style, however. Um, but the buffet style um, is my favorite type of meal prepping. It's a bit more flexible. Um, so this is where you just kind of prepare a few items to have and store in your fridge and then just um, throw everything together when you're ready to make a meal. So. For example, I like to just have two proteins available. So like you could do chicken or you know black beans. Um, you could choose um, one to two starchy choices to have available like rice and quinoa already made. And then just like cut up some fruits and vegetables just to store in the fridge. So within these foods I just listed to you, you could create a few different meals from this. So you could have stir fry, you can make a burrito with that rice and roasted veggies or even, you know, throw an egg in there and do like a, a breakfast burrito or something. Buffet style is great. Um, it's a great place to start for beginners because you can spend maybe like only half hour in the kitchen and it can be affordable. That's already really great because I always just think in the, in the times I've attempted to meal prep, it's always the Sunday and you know, you're doing that the whole day. It feels so overwhelming. I'm tired by the time I get it done. And I don't want to do that again on a, a Sunday when that comes back around. Right. So, so you mentioned like some of the things that you could make. If I'm trying to start very basic, you know, I just want to do some easy snacks for meal prep. What are some of those things, or I'm just starting out that should be in my containers? And I guess, are there some things that you've seen that you should stay away from as well? Yeah. So the basic things that I recommend having in your containers would just be including some sort of protein, carbs, and fat. So the fancy term for these three things are called macronutrients. So this combination is amazing. It provides your body with satiety, offering you know opportunities for you to get a variety of vitamins and nutrients and fiber that your body needs to function properly throughout the day. So, you know, sources of protein, you could do animal or plant-based, so types of animal protein. Um, it's kind of best to stick with whole versus processed. Um, and then choosing like lean meats, like lean chicken, turkey, beef, and pork, along with, you know, you can include eggs, cottage cheese, milk, yogurt, fish. Um, and examples of like plant proteins, you could do beans, peanut butter, tofu, soy milk, whatever you like. And then for carbohydrates, I mean, you could do rice, quinoa, potatoes, pasta, bread, cereals, tortillas, and then along with, you know, fruits and vegetables, of course. So, and fruits and vegetables are rich in fiber and they're good for our immune system. And then fat is really important. I think a lot of people overlook this. Um, so just to be sure you include some sort of fat throughout the day, such as, you know, peanut butter, nuts, or adding avocados to your meals, or just even cooking with oils like unsaturated fatty acids are great they're you know extra virgin olive oil is a little bit more rich in antioxidants just instead of using butter or lard um, another fat you could throw in there is like flaxseed or chia seeds you can add that to muffins or pancakes um, so something that you should probably stay away from is here's just an example so this if you have like all carbs um, 
like just a plate of pasta, nothing else. Um, you probably aren't gonna. F you're probably going to feel hungry like an hour after you eat, and it isn't gonna provide you with that much, you know, vitamins, minerals, protein, etc. This is why variety is important, and that's why I kind of like to stick to like the hunger crushing combo of protein, carbs, and fat with your meal. You mentioned so many different things there. I think when I think of meal prepping, I think of that plain chicken breast every day. You know, there are people that that meal prep like that, but I'm somebody that would get so bored from that. I would start mm -hmm. craving sweets or something like that. So is it really just implementing those things that you talked about to spice up your meals? Yeah, yeah, you can definitely find a, you know, a ton of different ways to spice up your meals. So you can experiment with different spices, of course. Um, you can marinate your proteins instead of just having them plain. You could also experiment with different cooking styles, you know, like roasting, grilling, pan frying, air fry, stir fry. And, you know, various cooking styles can develop different flavors and textures. So instead of just steaming your veggies, try stir frying them on like high heat with some steak seasoning just to develop a deeper, deeper flavor while still, you know, keeping them crisp instead of soft. And I don't know about you guys, but I... You will not make me eat steamed vegetables. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I know the importance of eating vegetables, but if someone tells me that on the menu we're having steamed broccoli, I will not be satisfied after my meal. Like, I'll probably turn to something else afterwards and just binge on something else. <laughs> so... Or there's yeah. been times when I'm meal prepping and I, and I make a steamed vegetable, and then when it comes to that day of the week, I pick around it. I eat everything yeah. else in there but the steamed vegetable. Yeah. Like... Heck, the heck with that. I'm not eating it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like, you've talked a lot of, about the really positive things. Is there ever a time that meal prepping goes the opposite way where maybe you're not being very healthy with it? Yeah, it can get unhealthy. Well, one, if you aren't choosing nutritious foods and creating a balanced diet. And one is another one is just being repetitive about it. Um, and an example, too, another one would just be, you know, overfilling your containers with unhealthy choices for months on end, and it's really not benefiting your health. Or vice versa, if you kind of develop an unhealthy obsession with eating healthy all the time, and, you know, you allow no room for flexibility or those pleasurable foods or sweets that you like, that mindset can really set yourself up for failure. So restricting food, it can backfire, causing you to actually want more and then, you know, binge when you finally get to eat your favorite food. So food is to be enjoyed, not something that you should be obsessed over or worried about all the time. So having room for flexibility is important and necessary. Yeah, some really great tips if you're, you're a meal prepper already or if you're looking to get into that. Um, you know, another thing I think we can focus on when we look at teens and young adults in sports we hear a ton about supplements, and I think you can take those two, where, two ways. You know, there's the pre and the post workouts we hear a lot about, or even the weight loss supplements. So I guess let's focus on the pre and post. Are, are those good for you? Are those safe for you? I see a lot of people using them. Yeah, there are so many supplements out there. It can be confusing to know what benefits you, what's going to harm you, and not a lot of people know who to ask when it comes to supplements. I know I didn't in high school when I was in sports. Um, and nutrition changes constantly based on you know research and supplements need to kind of be evidence-based in order for it to be benefiting anyone. Um, I don't think a lot of people understand the complexity of looking at research on supplements, especially as a dietitian. So 
For one, supplements, they aren't regulated by anything or anyone, so I could make a supplement with whatever I want in it and put a pretty label on the bottle just to make people buy it. Um, this is why supplements can be extremely confusing and dangerous. Um, and you also have to be aware of how to take it, when to take it, and the dosing that you know was used for it to show any benefits in research. I think it's assumed that all athletes use supplements, especially you know at the elite level, but that's really not always the case. So only about 70% of Olympic athletes actually use supplements. And the Olympics has a foods first policy, which basically states, you know, once good training, recovery, and a nutrition plan is set in place, which a dietitian would be a part of, then um, the athlete can consider supplements. So if you are an elite athlete, I would recommend considering like a sports dietitian. I know there's not a ton available around here, but they're out there. Um, if you want to take any, some, any sort of supplement, um, supplements can be, you know, good or safe to use with proper dosing. The most common ones kind of include caffeine and protein powder, which makes up the majority of supplements used by elite athletes. Um, however, they're not really always necessarily necessary to use, and they may not even provide any benefits if you aren't using them correctly. So, for example, depending on what your goals are or the sports you play, supplementing protein powder and caffeine may not even be necessary if you're already you know, consuming a good post-workout snack that's naturally high in protein and it meets your body's requirements. So my recommendations, use food first, then supplements if, if needed. Um, as far as you know, pre-workout, always consume some sort of carbohydrate and then post-workout consume you know, carbohydrate and a protein. So can it, I guess, have positives on your body using those if you're using it before or after a workout? Does it, does it help you build muscle? What does that do for the people that are using it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as far as pre-workout, pre if you consume you know, carbohydrates, they contain glucose, which is our body's number one fuel source for energy. So carbs are a quick way, quick source of energy, and they're... Um, you know, many different forms of carbs that act in various ways in our body that I won't get into now. Um, but they're easy to digest compared to fats and protein. So this is why it's important to time your meals prior to your workout, just to be ensure your body can tolerate it and you do not experience any GI discomfort. Examples of pre-workout snacks, you know, you could do like a PB&J or Greek yogurt with berries. And then, you know, um, a cup of coffee or caffeine consumed at an appropriate dose can also, you know, enhance your performance if you're doing endurance or ultra endurance sports, um, such as distant runners or cyclists or soccer. You know, the best pre-workout snack for the general person can really just be a cup of coffee and a banana. <laughs> Post-workout, um, yeah, you want to consume carbs with protein because those carbs will replace that glycogen that was already used in our muscles during our workout. So we have energy for our next workout. And then you want to consume proteins because it helps, you know, our muscles build and repair. So some post-workout snacks you could do like um, oatmeal with milk. Um, and then you could do apple and peanut butter, something like that. But in order to build muscle, you really need to train and increase your calorie and protein intake. Um, if you're not training much, but increasing your calories and protein, that weight that you put on may not necessarily be muscle, but fat instead. 
So, you know, have the proper plan set up with your trainer and dietitian is just kind of important because it will vary from individual. Um, something that I do want to touch on is um, creatine and branched chain amino acids. Um, so creatine and protein powder, uh, they may not be beneficial for some athletes or they may be beneficial for some athletes that train like all day long. Not so much to boost performance, but just to help them meet their energy and protein requirements that um, so they're able to maintain their training load, you know. And then branched chain amino acids, they, these will not help build muscle. Evidence kind of shows that they're best used post-workout if you're not, you know, meeting your protein requirements through food. Um, however, there is limited evidence on this, but with branched chain amino acids, don't consume these while you're working out because it can negatively impact what you're trying to achieve. Um, the only circumstance I guess I would recommend using branched chain amino acids is with like an intense training that you're unable to meet your protein or amino acid requirements through food. And I know some people too have had um, experiences with them just that help with um, recovery and muscle soreness the next day from sessions too. There are so many supplements. <laughs> yeah, so really <laughs> focusing on that food over an, a supplement, yeah. whether that's pre or post. I think that there's so much of that messaging that thinks you need to have that pre or post when there's so many foods that you mentioned that can give you that same energy boost that right. you're probably experiencing if you're taking a supplement. So do those supplements, if you're somebody that's taking them a lot, can those impact you later in life? Do they have long-term effects on your body? Yeah. Um, so any supplement taken like under the supervision of, you know, a registered dietitian or your doctor, um, or even your personal trainer, um, they shouldn't have any negative impacts later in life. It's only when you start taking inappropriate supplements with no medical supervision is when it can become harmful. I guess one thing I see a lot, so I have to ask about it, is dry scooping. You know, I see people doing it on social media. It was a trend for a while. Is that dangerous? Oh, man. For those of you who don't know what dry scooping is, it's basically like administering a large amount of caffeine, which comes in like a powder or I don't know. Um, so all at once. Um, so doing this is not always safe. Um, most people don't really read the label properly too, so you may be consuming more caffeine than you think. Um, when the dose of caffeine is too high, athletes, they may feel overstimulated rather than energized, which can be detrimental to training and performance. You know, it can even give you some heart palpitations. It can cause GI upset, headaches, chest pain, and you know, even seizures if taking too much caffeine. And, you know, this is kind of serious. There have been deaths and, you know, several serious medical events that have occurred due to high dosage of caffeine consumption amongst athletes. So just be careful. Yeah. When we also talk about supplements, and we mentioned this at the beginning of the conversation, of course, there's weight loss supplements out there. I mean, you go to the store, you go to your vitamins right there with you are those weight loss supplements. Um, and you see so many shelves full of it. It's kind of hard, I think, not to really get pulled into that and look at that. What impact can those have? Yeah. Oh, man, those always make me really upset. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there are no supplements shown by research that have been proven to help with weight loss. You might see, you know, some labeled fat burner. Um, but the active ingredient in these quote unquote fat burners is caffeine. 
Um, however, caffeine does not have a substantial effect on fat or weight loss, so they're dangerous to take sometimes because you really never know what's in them. So just ask. Just ask a professional. <laughs> ask and really focus on the food more than the supplement. Yes. Um, so I guess one last thing, if you could leave our listeners with that last bit of advice. We covered so much today. What would that be, Haley? Yeah, so I think um, small changes matter. Um, whenever I have a goal in mind or I want to change something about myself, uh, one of my friends would actually ask me, okay, what are you doing today to become the person that you want to be? Um, and even if you push yourself 1% better today than you did yesterday, imagine you know how that will impact your life in five years from now. Uh, when it comes to our health, I feel like a lot of people just set unrealistic goals and expectations, and by doing that, you you're only setting yourself up for failure. You know, no one's perfect and no one expects everyone to be perfect. Um, so yes, just small changes. I like that nobody's perfect, especially as we talked about at the beginning, you see so many messages on social media that are harmful to young men and women. And so I think just really focus on the food you're putting in your body and, and be smart about it. Take it in little doses. And I think it's okay to fail sometimes too, especially as we looked at meal prepping and things like that. You're not going to be great at the beginning at those things. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Haley, we always ex uh, appreciate your expertise. Thank you for having me.